Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 192 is recorded live March 6, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed from the west side of Michigan where it is still just a little hard. I am Darren Gilson. Joining me this week we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How you doing today, Mac? Well, I'm almost getting rid of my bronchitis, which will be good Ooh. in another month. Maybe we'll have soft water. I think we're getting there. And, and we have really squandered this year of hard water because we have just not been able to get underneath that ice. It has just not worked out. Are you still there, Mac, or did... Uh... Yes, I am, sir. Now, you're, you're, you're coming in and out like a little bit of an echo chamber for me, but you're coming in. Okay. I'd like to thank everybody who's listening to the podcast, downloading it. Uh, drop us a line and let us know where you're listening from, and you get a chance. You can always email us at the show at scubaobsessed.com. We're going to jump right on into the news, and I think, Mac, what we should do is we should start off with where we ended last week, which was the ordinance on the pier diving. I, I saw that just before the show. You had an update? Yeah, I did not go to it this morning because uh, I was under the impression nothing was going to be done today, which is obviously, yes, they did something, <laughs> and I didn't have a, a uh, an opportunity to look at the resolutions. But the Berrien County Board of Commissioners, I, I keep referring to it as my nanny government wants to protect me because I'm not smart enough to take care of myself or make adult decisions upon my well-being and what I can do and can't do safely. Uh, I suppose any day now they're going to come over, give me a helmet to wear and toes on my elbows so I don't accidentally fall going to the mailbox. But anyway, uh, two of the chairman, Chair uh, Hinkleman, stated that two proposed resolutions will be distributed today regarding pure safety. Uh, resolutions were drafted by Commissioner Lee Hay and Commissioner Elliott. Uh, Lee Hay is the one who's been doing this for about eight years now, trying to get uh, the government to be able to think for you because you're not capable of taking care of your own self. Uh, they stated the resolutions not up, will not be up for decision today. They will be discussed at next week's meeting for the board's consideration. Uh, they said the resolutions were, will not be placed on the consent calendar, but will be handled separately. I don't know what the consent calendar is, but I will yeah. be looking into that. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you what that meant. Did that mean that there will be a closed-door type of item? Well, generally, when you get the resolutions and they're ready to present them, they have already decided on what they're doing. It's It's a bunch of BS, in my opinion of listening to the people because last time every person there said no. Four years ago, everybody said no. We're, we can do this on our own. So maybe I'm a little premature. I should take a wait a moment and look at the resolutions and see how they worded them because they may be totally benign. And Yeah, I mean, it could be. They could have stripped it out just to make it a superficial law, which to me, we don't need those either. No, you don't need a law for law's sake. If you're not going to enforce them, you don't need them. Yeah. But I, I am very curious to see 
Uh, I mean, I am all for throw bags and or life rings with lines on them. Absolutely. You know, to me, that's not even a brainer. They should have those at the lifeguard station. Yeah. You know, and they should be there all the time. Obviously, when we have the the wind and the waves and whatever, they need somebody that they can't get blown off or iced in. Because even today, if you go out there, people are walking on the piers. You fall off the pier, you slip. It's going to be a hard chore getting back up. And having that just to throw down and put you tie a rope around you or something if you didn't break something bad is not a bad item. So I, I like to see that. That's, that's not an issue with me. I'm really curious to see how they're going to suggest they put a blockade up or a barrier. Uh, I did write a little note. I did not send it to them. You know, I wrote it, and every day I'd read it and say, Do I, should I send this? And I, I decided my wording might have been somewhat inflammatory, so I did not do that. But God, am I still tempted. Uh, but again, my, my point there is if you're going to legislate safety, if it'll save my life, let's stop all swimming in freaking Lake Michigan and be done with it. Or if they're going to do that and allow it, then everybody who touches the water must have a life vest on. Because I've not really seen too many people drown with a life vest, even a rip current. So if they're really serious about this, they'll have a concession stand that you can buy your, I mean, they can make money on this. Buy that life vest, <laughs> put it on you and your kids. You're in good shape, you know. Sell ropes extra so you have a 10-foot line so you're no longer, you know, further than 10 feet from your kid, you know, which is a parental responsibility. But uh, I'll, I'll shut my mouth a little bit until <laughs> next week, or at least I get a chance to look at the resolutions as written, and then I'll bitch about them. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I saw that, and I was kind of curious because, they're, they're, like you said, they've already decided. If, if they weren't going to pass it, they wouldn't even bring it up. So they only want to bring well, it up to the, kind of float it to to see what kind of, you know, is there enough opposition to where they don't want to touch it. And this one must be about middle of the road for them. Well, certain parts of it I think are good. Uh, the other parts, again, it, it you're, you're trying to think for people who are adults. Yeah. And because and, they're not just talking jumping off the pier. They're talking about can't swim near the pier, or they were at the last meeting. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see uh, maybe next week on the... 13th, that's when they have their meetings, supposed to be at 8.30 in the morning, so if anybody out there is interested, we shall see what they do. You know, what What really bothered me this last week is I actually talked to a few people about this, and they actually couldn't see why I was upset with the law being proposed and potentially passed. And did anybody ask him how many people drowned by deliberately jumping off in calm weather like the kids are doing? Well, see, they're they're convinced that they they believe the PR that ten people have died, and they think that all ten people would be saved had this law been enacted. And also, if you ask everybody who's in favor of the law, none of them would ever consider jumping off a pier. In fact, they're scared of water. Yeah. So people who are afraid of water, they they absolutely don't want anybody to jump off the pier. And, and, again, that's a misnomer. When they say jump off the pier, they're doing it in certain areas, certain times. And, again, if it's a rip current, you got three-foot waves. The kids are not generally out there doing that. you got the daredevils, which is a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of people are spoiling it, creating attention to an issue that shows they have no common sense, and the other people are overreacting and trying to make it that no one can do it, even though it's a safe environment in most instances. Well, if you look back at the pier, you know, we went a few weeks ago and we looked at all those old photos of the pier. That pier is the equivalent of any dock on any pond that people jump off of. Oh, absolutely. There's there's nothing. In fact, as, as far as uh, Army Corps of Engineered piers, ours is probably one of the safer 
piers that I've seen. The concrete isn't busted up. There's not a bunch of steel that's up above the edge of the concrete. You know, it's been pretty well sanitized. Well, back in the old days, the water went through the pilings, yeah. which to me would be more dangerous than they are today. Yeah, because you could have, uh, you know, if the water was high enough to where you could get swept underneath the, the pier and not be able to come up where you think you are, plus who knows what driftwood or other items or, or objects are caught underneath the pier. Correct. I mean, and they're, you know, always know where you're going to go and what's below you when you do jump. Uh, but so, given the normal scenario where the kids are out, they're actually having fun. It's not a dangerous situation. It is no more dangerous than swimming. Uh, so I think they're going overboard. Yep. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on this and we'll let everybody know what comes from it. Let's see. The next one is shark riders pose threat to conservation gains made with scuba tourism. Uh, they, what they're talking about is that they're saying that the ecotourism for shark conservation has increased as the scuba diving business owners have grown. Uh, they said that there's 375 unique shark diving businesses, and this is a reference to uh, 2011. They suggest that these business owners uh, have benefited greatly from some of the sharks' uh, ecotourism. They said laws often save and protect the public which care about and can punish those that it doesn't. Perception makes a lot in terms of both laws and local responsibilities for sharing the beach ecosystems. Uh, They said the new trend in shark riding has shark conservationists anticipating an accident which could result in the negative media coverage of sharks and potential consequences of the industry. The risky behavior includes riding, prodding, grappling, excessive handling, and otherwise harassing the sharks. They said sharks are large, wild animals, (laughs) that their behavior can be unpredictable, so riding and harassing activities greatly increase the chance that somebody will be injured. Such an injury could undo the progress made with ecotourism to the public perception of sharks. These close interactions with large predators are always dangerous. Highly experienced people may possibly limit those risks through adequate behavior and safety protocols, but the increasing number of inexperienced copycats makes it fear somebody will end up having a bad accident. So what it appears happening is that there is a activity called shark riding. I hadn't heard of that before. I was going to say, in comparison to the number of sharks, the number of divers, and the number of divers who would want to go try to ride a shark, got to be in a, in, in a very small number. And I think they'd probably be a little bit discriminatory in what kind of sharks they like. Like, maybe I don't think I'm going to see too many people trying to ride a hammerhead or a great mako or, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it looks like the smaller reef sharks maybe they're playing with. But again, I think Darwin should just be the judge and the rule on that and just let it sort itself out. Yeah, maybe it should be kind of like bull you riding. Know, yeah, why if not? If and you're not going to ride a great white shark, you shouldn't be riding a shark. Just go for the top. <laughs> go yeah. down to South Africa, the South Africa, right where they're... How many people are at? Where they're the biggest. Yeah, I, I don't think they say how many are doing it, and I hadn't heard of it. So they said there's 375 shark diving businesses, but they don't say how many of them are offering the shark riding well you know we've seen the ones that bob goes there where they actually feed the sharks mm-hmm. uh you know where they sort of tease them and they come up and bite and you take uh, you've seen those right yeah okay that doesn't even compare to shark riding to me and the potential for danger for both of them to me are there you know one could jump a little further than the other one you're going to lose something size maybe the camera but i'm not sure how that really screws up the ecosystem of the sharks and 
I'm not sure where their concern is. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, you have people who don't like anybody touching the environment. That seems to be the the way it's been with a lot of this. Well, it's it's not the people because the the bottom line is money. It is absolutely bottom line money. And key item in their own statement after research showed that a live shark can be worth ninety four times as much via ecotourism as a dead shark can be worth through fishing. All right. Economics is what they're talking about. They're, they believe that I can fish the shark, and if I didn't fish the shark, he's worth 94 times more than they're going to get him. Unless I got a buck for the shark, if I left him alone, he's really worth $9,400. I really do not see how they can say, how they can calculate that out, how they make the numbers on this. Well, they they can't make the numbers, and that's the, the, the dirty truth to it. Because the guy who makes the buck off the shark is not the one who's going to make the $94 off the shark. Yeah, and then, you know, the increase in dangerous and unnecessary thrill-seeking behavior, I'll stop there for a second. You can apply that, because <laughs> here it says, with sharks makes, blah, blah, conservationist research is worried, only a matter of time before there's a serious accident. Well, let's say BMX driving, Daytona 500, skydivers, uh, base jumpers, it's that slippery slope. Well, who gets to say what's dangerous and unnecessary thrill? Well, it's all unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here with the greatest of ease. Yeah. yeah the if, man if, on if the plane. If, if you're having sex for any other reason than to procreate, then that's a waste, too, isn't it? Unnecessary thrill seeking <laughs> behavior? Absolutely. Adversial? I mean, it does all sorts of things. <laughs> you could have, that's just a big open ended thing. And that's what you got to catch. You know, so when you're out there reading an article, just take a look at that. You know, as as we start looking through what our media is talking about and stuff, what most people don't realize is that modern media, anything within the last twenty years, it the only reason that article is being reported on is because they are making money off reporting the article. So, I, I always like them to put it in perspective. How many people are here? Seven freaking billion. Yes. All right. You have ten eaten by sharks today. <laughs> what percentage of that? It's like how many zeros can you go back after the decimal? Yeah. Zero, 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 zero. Well, what? It goes back to my theory that human beings are bad at assessing risk. We well, well, we always want to get rid of the things that scare us, not the things that are really likely to kill us. Well, you're you're, you're going to die quicker from a big fatty hamburger <laughs> well, than, today's paper. than you are from jumping off a, a building. And they're going to say, well, that's only because so many people jump off of buildings and base jump, which is true because if you're not a thrill seeker, you won't be doing it. So why is your concern on your help bothering me? If I jump off a cliff, my my chute doesn't open, bad for me. Don't watch the video. Yeah. Yeah, my only thing on those points, because I've heard people, you know, the motorcycles and the helmets, mm-hmm. is that, that people need to fund their own mistakes. Well, see, there you go again. It's freaking money it's not respect for the life and you know this saves <laughs> exactly. just one life it isn't because what do they I say don't... have that insurance at least twenty thousand now they want to make it uh, uh at least a hundred and they prefer a million dollars if you don't wear a helmet in michigan uh, oh for a motorcycle yeah for motorcycle yeah yeah because i i mean i honestly i mean i i like motorcycles but i don't i don't have one uh but I don't want to pay for somebody else to sign not to ride a, a motorcycle and they have a two mile an hour crash and then I, bust I don't want to pay for illegal immigrants getting all this crap. No, either. I I agree with you there. Let's take care of that first. Yeah, you know, 
That's something you can do. <laughs> You're not going to hear an argument from me on that. I mean, you got that NSA can go ahead and tell you who's speaking on what cell phone. God knows they should be able to find out who's speaking Spanish and not speaking <laughs> it right. I don't. Uh, okay, I won't go there either. But he's <laughs> okay. Okay. This will be a dive show, not a See, radical. We, we, we need another podcast where we talk about all that sort of stuff too. Because I suppose, we, we but could... I, I just find it problem when they start saying what somebody does is dangerous and unnecessary, thrill-seeking behavior. Blah. No matter what the other topic is, slippery, slippery slope. And I see that here. Yeah, running with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about this? The famous marshmallow study. I had never heard of this until I read the article. They said that in Stanford, they had a marshmallow experiment, which was considered to be famous for its day, a concept that talked about delayed gratification. And what they did in this experiment is they offered children a choice between a small treat, such as a marshmallow, immediately, or they would receive two treats later, and they would explain to them it would be 15 minutes. So uh, what they were trying to figure out is why were why were some of the children wanting the marshmallow now no matter how long or how much they would get later? And why did others be willing to delay their gratification? And it's simple. You know that answer to that, right? No. Life is short. Eat your dessert first. <laughs> that explains it all. Just in case. You know how it goes. Yep. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to apply the study to uh, conservation. So if they're saying that, you know, you can lose a little revenue now, you know, as we were talking about the fishing, or you can have more revenue later on. And as in the previous discussion, I think it comes down to is that the guy who's going to make the money later on isn't the same one who's going to make the money now. They, they talked about that they, that the dollar amount was that they thought the trigger was the amount of a case of beer, which they said on like Bonaire was about $37. So if they put the immediate immediate gratification wasn't enough to buy a case of beer, they were willing to delay it and get fifty dollars later on. It's I have an issue with a few items right off the bat. Elizabeth Johnson speculates. Let's see some hard data on what you're just talking about because I don't see it. Because she's saying this indicates because a kid wants his marshmallow before the other kid that has something to do with being better at environmental stewardship. I want to see the data that backs that freaking statement up. You've got a 10-year-old kid. He wants to freaking donut. He wants it now. There's nothing to do about environmental stewardship. He's a kid. It's it, marshmallows. Marshmallows me, are the most the environmental donut. object ever donut. known. I want I, it's You know, it's like I don't see that environmental stewardship. And as you continue down, they're talking about what? They're talking about there's too many people, and that's why we're overfishing the water. You're not going to make the people stop because it's their livelihood. It's how they have they feed their families. And it's like, well, everybody knows we're fishing too much, but we keep having a population increase, and therefore it's going to go up. You can't not provide the food. Well, you well, can't that's do it the thing. Is there, is there talking Something about the, got to give? In this case, they're going to eat all the fish. Yeah. The, well, they're talking about delayed gratification. But if somebody says you can't eat today, and you're not even going to eat tomorrow, but next week you're going to eat every day next week, what are you going to do? You're going to eat today because you don't know if you can make it that long. Plus, the food that's coming next week might not be coming to you; it's coming to somebody else. 
they're going to benefit from it, not from you. So they're just not addressing all of it. They're taking a simple study which talked about delayed gratification, and really it was more about mental maturity and logic and reasoning because it comes down to if you can convince somebody that they are personally better off to delay the gratification, they will do it. Today, today. Yeah, well, here's the other statement. In bold, individuals who are less patient were also less supportive of marine reserves. Excuse me? Well, they didn't. You're Did asking they, somebody who didn't care about a marine reserve in the first place whether they wanted to protect it. Of course they're going to say no. And again, less patient were also. So if I'm an inpatient person, which I sometimes can be, I'm less supportive of marine reserves. I, I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. Oh, boy. This is where we need the other podcast because there's so much. uh, Just I was seeing studies this week on adaptive testing. Have you heard about that? Uh, Probably. Yeah, because for those who don't know what adaptive testing is, is like when I went to school, you you took a test every three to four years, and the state used it just to figure out how much you were learning and how your school district was doing compared to other school districts. Well, what adaptive testing is, is that they will change the test because all these tests are now given online as the test is being given. And some of the questions on these tests have nothing to do with the subject in which they're categorized in. And here's an example of a question that's actually on a test. One says, Johnny finds a wallet on the floor. What does he? What should he do with the wallet? Should he keep it or should he give it back? And that is in the reading section of the test. What does that have to do with reading? That has to and- do with honesty. And how is that graded? Exactly. How do you so so if I say I should give the wallet back, all of a sudden I'm a better reader? Yeah, or I'm a better person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or starving, I need it. It had money. It made me better to keep it. See, we we need a conspiracy sound because here's the conspiracy question. <laughs> Maybe it's not Johnny they're quizzing, but Johnny's parents. Maybe that's what the, who they want the answer for. <laughs> uh, we're on, like you said, away from diving, but if you just look through some of the topics and blogs that are out there, they had, and even on, on Facebook were a couple of, I'm more limited than a lot of people, but you look at some of the topics, and and there are so many of them are involved in schooling and the type of questions they're asking, and the question that came up is, who gets these results, and why do you care well, about family dynamics? Well, the same thing on the testing is that there are some tests you can't advance to the next section of the test until you agree with the point that they're making. Well, so yeah, it has nothing to do with you answering right or wrong and you get a next question. It's if you don't agree to what they're trying to do or trying to ask or saying the things the same way, you never advance to a section to get any more of the test. So you'll just eventually time out. And yeah. there's no oversight because not everybody gets the same test, and you don't get to have any of the questions. So, uh, but yeah, and, and, they're, and they're not old enough to know the standard answer that we men have learned. But normally, not until our dads talk to us or down the line, <laughs> correct? And the yeah. answer is always the same: Yes, dear, whatever you say, yeah. <laughs> and don't tell them what's in your head. Yeah, just give them the answer they want to hear. Yeah, no, you you don't a look kid big can't in that. Do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. What? No, I don't. <laughs> yes, dear, you're right. Well, the, the, the other thing with that, and uh, I, I heard some, some people talking about, is that the kids will eventually figure this out. But the problem is they don't figure it out till they're, you know, till they get to that rebellion age of 13 or 14. That's when they start gaming the test. But, it, you know, because I can tell, you know, talking to my daughter, who's, a, who's 
a little older than that. You know, she doesn't, she hates the test. She was so glad that this was, that this last year was her last year taking a test. All I know is if I had my kids in school and I, even when they, before they got as active as they are now, I always said, you ever take any kind of comment or question, you don't like it, don't answer it. I'll support you 100% because you're making a decision and that's good that you can make that and we can figure it out later. But don't let somebody, you know, browbeat you into submission on something you know or you don't feel comfortable in responding to, answering, or doing. And it's like I told my kids, whenever they're out, something comes up and you don't want to look bad, say, nope, my dad won't let me do that, or my dad would kick my butt, or my whatever. You know, you got somebody, I'll play play heavy. Yeah. You know, give them some options that they have to use. And talking about weird little things, you saw that today where they busted three kids that were uh, seven, two seven-year-olds and an eight-year-old smoking in the bathroom at the elementary school? No. Yeah. And there's that, the mother says, I never knew they'd do that here in school. And the other one is, where did seven and eight-year-olds get marijuana? How do they know how to roll the damn stuff? <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, that's, there's <laughs> that, some issues there, people. That's young. I can remember when I was in school, they were saying that kids my age were young doing that sort of stuff, but no, nowhere near that. It, it it is funny. I mean, I I did a lot of my high school overseas, and beer was was normal, uh-huh. and you could go out and drink, but you didn't get wasted. It it amazed me. I used to be at work, these guys twenty five, thirty, saying, "Yeah, I'm going to go out and get wasted this weekend." It's like I'm thinking to myself, "You're absolutely what? What are you? What are you thinking?" <laughs> I mean, even when I'm sixteen and seventeen and thirty, it's like you're not going to go out and get wasted. Why do you need to do that? You all have your beers, you play chess, you have your Jäger schnitzel and your, you know, your Brockwurst and stuff like this, and you drink for about five hours, and you eat all that food with you, and then you'll walk home because you ain't got no car. Well, you <laughs> could take the Strassabahn or something. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because the, the mystique is not, is gone. It's, it's something that's considered normal, and therefore you didn't have to overindulge. I just like, don't understand people who binge drink. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like jumping off a pier. I should be outlawed college. Oh, God. Yeah, that's how to work. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. I, we're, we're way off of diving. We're, we're, we're way off. You started it. How I about did. That, that it was my fault. For that 18 year old girl who's suing her parents. Oh, she I left did the see house. That Yeah, you saw that. She left the house living with friends. The friend who was a lawyer is providing her the money to sue her family, demanding they pay for her. Last year in high school, even though she's not her student, and even though she wants to stay with her boyfriend and not abide by the rules of the house, and then they are required, she wants him to be required to pay her college tuition because they are supposed to be supporting her to ensure that she has a education that she can provide for herself when she gets older. Excuse me? No. Uh, yeah, and... I'm, I really want to follow that one. Yeah. Well, the the thing on that one would be that girl needs to be in a room with 10 other girls who on their own, you know, came from broken families, orphanages or something else, who went to school, worked two jobs and did it on their own. Why should she be able to sue her parents to get what she wants and have her own rules? Well, it is funny, though, because have you seen this trend in, in China now? No. They've actually got a law that the children have to support their elders because they're, it went totally the opposite way. The elders spent their lives working with their kids, you know, just like their uh, their culture. Mm-hmm. Well, the kids are getting cultified now, 
So this new generation ain't happening. Yeah. And so they've actually had occasions where the older people are living in like a, a garage, maybe if they're lucky, and they're suing so that somebody will pay attention to them. Yeah. That's, that's, again, part of the problem is overpopulation. Well, it's it's overpopulation, and, and it's and that's part of the culture shift. I mean, it's not our culture here, but over there, that's why they had the when they went to the one child program, right? And that was the thing is that it was the eldest male child who took care of the parents. So everybody said, "I I only want a male child because who's going to take care of me?" And and that's what it came down to. So they're just having a hard time dealing with. You know, we could call it modernization or whatever, but they just, they didn't have any sort of mechanism. And I'm not saying that a social security system like we've got is the answer by any means, but. Uh, yeah, like we've got. <laughs> like, like, like we say we have, which was the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time. <laughs> Only because they put it in a general fund and took the freaking money out. If they'd yeah. all left it alone. Yeah, the, but, the the government actually the government owes us. I mean, not only are they supposed to represent us, but they are owned by us because that's all the money they're playing with is really ours in the first place. No matter how you take it, whether it was ours before you taxed it or after it taxed it, it's still ours. Yeah, nobody asked me if I wanted to give one billion dollars to the Ukraine. I mean, how much are we in freaking debt? Uh, were we giving money to Ukraine? I missed that. Yeah, a billion bucks. A billion dollars to Ukraine? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that went today. Uh, Obama made another executive decision, executive order, matter of fact, and uh, went through the House and all that, and they passed it. I think there was 23 Republicans said no. Everybody else said, yeah, a billion bucks. I don't know if you've been on Facebook, but if you look at my notation, people do not realize all Russia has to do, and matter of fact, they're already doing it with China. Uh, they've changed the economy. It used to be oil and dollars. Uh, they are getting away from using the dollar as the standard, and they're using the uh, uh, ruple, not ruple, what is the Russian coin now? I can't even remember. But it's the Russian and the Chinese uh, monetary value instead of the dollar. Yeah, the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, they've been trying a long time to figure out how to get rid of the dollar dominance because the only reason we're able to run the debt that we're able to do is because... We are the dominant currency, and no matter how much of that currency we print, it's worth something. As well, soon as that, we are no longer the dominant dollar, we're the dominant we're the, currency. Yeah, I take a look on Facebook. There, I printed a rebuttal—not a rebuttal, but a comment to that and a link. Because I hate to put comments if I don't have a link to back them up. At least you know where it came from, yeah. and then you can research it to see whether well, out of their minds or they're—you know—it's <laughs> either a right wing or a left wing. It's like, why is it never a correct one? They say, yeah. <clears throat> but they were talking that. They're going to say, all right, let America do what they want, and then all they do is call in their money. All right, here's got, you know, because China's quite a bit of money they've got loaned to us. What if they call it back and say, I want my money now? I'm turning your money, your your check in. Well, How about let's have some coin like gold? Yeah. Uh, well, we can't stand that. That's going to kick our butts, and we're going to be in a depression quicker than you can. Yeah. See, the, oh, well. the, the, and the reason China does it is be, they, they didn't invest in us because they felt sorry for us. They invest in us because they see a return on it. When they well, no longer see a return, then they stop buying our bonds. And then that's when you start seeing interest rates go insane is because nobody will buy them and we have to increase the, the interest rates they pay. Well, and people say, well, they, they, don't, they won't do that. It's like 
you got to remember, we plan year to year if we're freaking lucky in this country. Yeah. Chinese looks 100 years in the future. I mean, they're, they're not, even if they didn't do 100, they're doing 50 years in the future. They're looking 20 years in the future. We're not looking ahead that far. It's like a chess game. They're playing chess. We're playing checkers. Yeah. Well, I think what they're upset, they're not necessarily upset specifically at us. It's just that, you know, the same reason why we're not happy with, if you had a retirement account and you were expecting to get 7% or 6% or 5% and you're not getting that, that's the same thing China's doing. They're looking at that just independent of who the money's with and going, this is not enough return. I want more return because they don't, they're not giving their people any of that money. Yeah. Their standard of living is so low and they've got so much to come to bring themselves back up. Uh, so they're they're trying to find other ways. So if they can't get a better return out of us, then they're going to find it someplace else. And when we're no longer that that country that people want, as long as we run a deficit and we have to have people help us fund our debt, we're at risk. And I don't understand. You know, we talked about the delayed, delayed gratification earlier. I don't understand why people are happy with having that delayed risk. Well, the last statement in this article, if you look at it, makes a little bit of sense here. How can policymakers make it easier for individuals to accept short-term economic pain in exchange for long-term economic security? Figure out a way to make the short-term sacrifices hurt less. And it doesn't just apply to the fisheries. It applies to everything we're trying to do in social atmospheres. Yeah. You know, and by social, I'm talking about take care of the people who aren't contributing. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I just, well, and, and to really go off the track here, we had <laughs> w- we had Warren Buffett this week who said, we need to increase the earned income credit instead of the, the minimum wage. And I'm not a big fan of the minimum wage being increased, but I do think it's not necessarily a bad idea to have a minimum wage out there. Because I have no doubt that there's companies who'd be happy to pay a dollar an hour, just like they do in other countries. Yeah. But so I, you know, you I do like that floor, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily all for. You, you can't do it. You can't go from. You can't do a thirty percent increase and expect it not to have some ramifications. But the earned in- income credit is basically saying, "Don't worry if you work or not. We're just going to say, eh, that's fine. You get some money." Yeah, I've never understood that. How can somebody get a tax return who didn't pay in? Like I said, I, I <laughs> talk diving, but I listen to some of these other pods and some of the statements people will make on television. Like, you're 32 years old, you're getting this check, you're getting subsistence from this, you're getting that. Her comment was, well, why should I work? You provide me with all the basic necessities. <clears throat> and I can do anything I want during the day. I can, and this was in Texas. I can go down to the beach. I can enjoy myself. And I am no worse off than if I worked at minimum wage. And you're going to pay me not to do that. So why would I want to? And they said, oh, what, isn't that degrading? Well, no. My, my parents came up that way, and they live fine. It's what you're used to. And uh, I don't know. Again, part of the problem, I think, is we have overpopulation. Our resources have got to go down. Uh, people say, well, we're, we're making too much carbon dioxide, uh, monoxide. Again, you got more people. So the really solution is you got to cut back. So we need a pandemic. That'll take care of about <laughs> three or four billion and put us back on an even keel ocean to have time to repopulate. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, I hear you. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I do not want to live through a pandemic. 
I can't say I want my in your lifetime you will. I will guarantee it. Oh, I yeah, I, I you know because I, I I remember as a child uh, visiting the family farm in Maine and up the road on Frost Hill, walking into the cemetery, and there was about a six year span where ninety percent of those graves were all from, and it was that that flu outbreak was it about 1913 when that happened I yeah, can't you've had a couple you've had cholera epidemics uh, yeah yeah and, and you look at that one. and i'm just waiting for that yeah and that that really thinned out the population and that was not i just i just have a hard time because i i went probably from the from the time i was born till about 14 before i had any relative i knew die i mean 14 years wow. i did not you know, and that and that's I don't think that's normal. That was kind of unusual, but the, yeah, nobody in my family, a small family, uh passed on. So yeah, I just when, cannot when I imagine came up, polio was a big one. My mother had polio, her brother had polio. Yeah. And, I mean you're talking major issues. Yeah. And uh you know, you're gonna have one of these bird flus and that's gonna hybrid over yep. and it's gonna be nasty. Yeah. I have no doubt we're gonna see it. I'm figuring I'm going to spend my money on crematoriums because whoever has one is going to make a lot of money <laughs> if they live. Yeah. Well, everybody who's alive who dies eventually has to have something happen to them. So, yeah, it's a, it's the last check you ever write, I guess, is the, is the saying. Yeah. And then uh, mysterious <laughs> underwater rivers. <laughs> uh, First cross the ocean. If you've ever uh, been out in the ocean underneath, way at the bottom, there's a river flowing. And they didn't realize how strong it is. Telecommunication companies who have laid cables had planned on it being a certain strength, and they're saying it's much stronger than they had originally thought. Uh, they said earthquakes and avalanches can trigger turbidity currents that carve out abysmal, abyssal channels. I think that's how you say it, A-B-Y-S-S-A-L, abyssal channels. And the sun currents can outright snap these cables. And they said examples of that was the Taiwan earthquake in 2006. More mysterious is why the river sometimes stopped flowing despite the lack of water, obviously not being a problem underwater. And if you look at that, the, I guess it's a GIF, and they show you what happened. So, well, what, you're talking about the video with the cable? Yeah. Yeah. In, anytime that you've got enough current uh, that suddenly comes up that makes that wire strum like a guitar string, that's freaking significant. Yes. Well, what people don't realize is the way that water is uncompressible. And if you have a cliff above water, slide into the water, all that energy can go two-thirds of the way around the planet and be a tsunami on the other end. The same thing can happen yeah. underwater, even if you can't see it. And that's, I think, what they're really talking about is some of this uh, slipping of you know some of the coast. I would say it's probably be the, the shelves that we have across all the continents. If you have one of those that slips, you can get any, a huge amount of energy which is pushed and propelled through that water. Yeah. I mean, because you think about it, you know, the, you know, a, you know, 100 billion tons of mass moves. That's, that's stored potential energy. If it's up high and it slides down below, that's being released. So, yeah. But the, their point well, is they're it, just... As I was reading today... No, go ahead. I, I, I think what their point is is that they just need to re-engineer what they thought were safe zones because, you know, 99.999%, there's nothing going on for that few moments of when you've got these huge forces they have to be able to account for them. Yep, I was uh, looking. I'm doing a presentation next week, and I was looking through some of my notes, and I came across one of them that in uh, 1893, 
here in St. Joe, we had a, a tsunami that uh, yeah, it's like it's like a tsunami. Basically, it's a flat water, not a, a big wave came up. But we had a three to five foot increase in the height of the water come rolling through the piers all the way down the river. Now you suddenly raised the water level five feet. Think of the damage nowadays. Well, back then even more so because they had all the uh, sailing ships and barges right there at the docks on the side. Well, you had that. You had a lot of commerce. It was all directed at the, the piers. You had yeah. you had your feed mills and that the water was power. So you were all right there yeah. at that water line. Yeah. Clear blue sky, though, and suddenly you got a five-foot wall of water coming at you. Whoa. Did they ever figure out what caused it? Well, it's a siege. Um, we've had, we had one when I was working at Cook Plant. Uh, and it was 70, 77, 78. Area. Uh, we have some unique items here. One is called freak waves. Uh, I've got a picture of two sailing craft. One is becalmed, and at the distance that you could take a picture and still see the ship with the mast, the other ship is being raked apart by a storm. But at Cook Plant, I'm out there in the in the office building looking out, and I noticed the water suddenly is receding from shore. And I watched it recede very slowly but consistently <laughs> out three sandbars. That's 200-some-odd feet out. And it's like I keep looking up at the sky looking for the angels to come out because talk about freaky. And, of course, by that time, you know, ain't nobody working. Everybody's at the freaking windows wondering what's going on. And it got out past that one sandbar every bit of 250 feet out, and you're talking that's got to be eight feet deep out there. Yeah. And then then the water just started coming. No waves. It's come. (laughs) With the same speed it went out, it came in. That was a what that was created by is a high pressure area came down in Chicago Milwaukee side and people you know air pressure is huge over that area mm-hmm. and it, it became low the water went out high pressure came down pushed water came back yeah. freaking amazing so, and we've had a couple of those um, some of the fatalities off the pier uh, was when people got off the pier and uh, drowned because of the siege came in. Same thing in Chicago in the 1900s, yeah. early 1900s. Yeah, well, they had a I nice mean, five one. Yeah, the change in, in air pressure or water pressure. I mean, that's that's a very powerful element that we have and to be aware of in, when we're diving over a large surface area. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want to do a little mini experiment on that, is uh, fill your bathtub up with water and then take a plunger over the drain. And just push that up and down a few times and see what the rest of the bathtub looks like. <laughs> you, you get a lot of movement. Yes. A lot of movement. I don't think I'd want to be out there in these underground rivers when they suddenly decided to go someplace. No, no. You're just, you're, you're not even going to register as anything. You're just a little particulate yeah. in, that, in that stream. That was interesting. Yeah, and then we have the Time Bandit. will sail again. This one is out of, I believe it's California, the Holloway Marina. They said the pirate ship sank on uh, February 28th, sometime between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. on March 1st. That's uh, In a normal month, that would be a long time, but I guess that's really only one day. Security camera footage shows the ship still upright at 6 p.m. That's when the storm hit with a driving rain and sh- uh, sleet and snow moving horizontally across the screen. There were times it was too dark to see anything. They said that best get the wind and snow was falling all night. Snow built up on the side of the ship causing it to tilt to one side, take on water, and the bilge pumps just couldn't keep up. The pirate ship sank in the storm. (coughs) 
That's a nice picture, though. Really shows it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah our like, our little uh, boat there in South Haven that went down is nothing compared to this big boy. Nope, Wilhelm Baum. Except uh, she doesn't have any freeboard, so you're not going to be able. Here, you could probably pump that out a little bit. Yeah. You put a coffer around the side to keep the water from coming in, and had some high velocity pumps. Yeah. You could probably get that baby up without a lot, not lots of trouble. Yeah, I, I just think but you need to use ping pong balls. That's <laughs> <laughs> interesting though yeah well they say what they're going to do is they're going to oh. use airbags uh, and the boat will be lifted uh -huh. out of the water at upright position and floated uh upright i can believe yes and then use the pumps to pump it out yeah yeah because once you get it horizontal and at least get the deck even with the water level then yes. you could bilge pump it out pretty <clears throat> pretty well yeah. uh yeah, and then I don't know what kind of marina this is. I mean, this is a big boat, so they're going to have a hard. It's not like they're like your regular forty, fifty foot sailing boat where you're going to be able to have one of those lifts pull it out. This is this is the ship's in about twelve foot of water. The hull's in good shape. See, and it's going to depend on what the maintenance was. If it's like that, what was that one? Uh, the Bounty was that the one that sank this last year on the East Coast? I'm not. I'm not really sure. Yeah, that there was one of those where they they said the amount of water that was coming in on a good day. Was he, you know, was hundreds of gallons a minute? I, I don't think if if this ship's hull's in better shape than that, then it should be okay. They're hoping to have the bounty the bounty out by May to celebrate the hundredth anniversary of the marina. Ah. Said only two families have owned the Holloway since it first opened: the Holloways and the Heffens. So, yeah, hopefully. But if they can't get it up, I know a good sandbar or stretch of uh, underwater <laughs> soil where this would look perfect in it. I doubt they're going to drag the 27-ton pirate ship all the way over to our neck of the woods, but we take it. I think we could probably find something to do with it. Yeah. And then you've got uh, pyramids. How about, uh, I mean, we have pirate ships. How about underwater pyramids? In I near, like that. In near Portugal, the Navy is investigating reports of a pyramid underwater. They said the sub-aquatic pyramid structure was first announced in English. So it must be they tell all the good stuff in Portuguese. Uh, this was in September of 2013. They reported the structure was sighted by a private yacht owner at a depth of 40 meters. It's estimated to be about 60 meters high. The base was measured 8,000 square meters, which would be bigger than a football field. The pyramid is perfectly shaped, apparently oriented in the coordinal points. This according to uh, Mr. Silva. I'm not saying his first name because I would slaughter it. Archaeologists from the Portuguese Association of Archaeological Research found evidence that of other rock structures in the area that believe supports the belief that humans arrived thousands of years before the Portuguese. The structures may have been built according to a plan because they are aligned with the summer solstices. Is it solstice? Solstices? The Portuguese found the archipelago uninhabited about 1427, more than a few years. Evidence includes an epigraph from Roman times, the Carthaginian, Carthes easy for me to say, Carthaginian, oh my goodness, sanctuaries, and cave art. Alternate news sources say that American media outlets have been suppressing the discovery and that Noah has known about the pyramids for a while. Discoveries have been promoted that these sources are possibly linked to Atlantis, a kingdom that's reportedly to have existed many years ago but has never been found. Sylvia himself believes this to be the case. It's amazing because it forms perfect pyramid. And moreover, orientation, deployment of the pyramid. These vertices are oriented north and south, just north and south, such as the Giza pyramids in Egypt. He told Portuguese news outlet website Terra. 
Portuguese Navy is helping investigate the findings. Uh, Admiral Fernando Pires, commander of the maritime zone of Azores, says that it's too early to, to know definitely if the structures are or where they came from. No photos. We need photos. You can hear me. Did you hear anything I said at all? <laughs> I heard a lot, and then that went click, and I figured, okay, he'll be back. <laughs> I was I was you on were, a roll were, there. I didn't I didn't yeah, know you were where getting you went some to. feedback though. You were getting some backup, but uh, yeah, you were on a roll. So, what do you thought? What's your thoughts about this pyramid? Uh, well, I sent you a link. Did you see it? Well, let me take a look. It's got better pictures. Uh, ah, it's got some cats. pictures. Yeah, let's take a peek at so these I figured, pictures. I figured that might be, well, different pictures anyway. Or some pictures. And I think that we had looked at something similar. We had looked at something similar to this. And then the pro and con, the other guy, somebody came back with a separate set of pictures that looked very interesting. And said, and this was due to natural erosion of certain type of bedrock. And it looked like steps. Yes. And they basically were able to show that it was, in fact, erosion of a certain pattern. But it, to look at it looked really, really like steps yeah. up well, to a mound. Yeah, because over in Japan, there's these steps. There's some of these steps in Cuba, and there's also some in Central America. So it is I not... I believe if they didn't have a real good image of that, or if they did have a good image... Somebody's going to take a submersible down, or at the minimum, take some good cameras and actually go down and take some samples. Yeah. I mean, duh. Yeah, and I remember looking at this now that you showed me these photos the, when, when we covered this before. I mean, what's I? You need to go with some better equipment. Not saying that this is bad equipment. This is a good equipment you're doing if you're looking for something out of the ordinary. But even look at some of these slopes that you know that are smooth and natural. And that this resolution, it's showing it as jagged edges. Yeah. So you need to come up with something. It's, you know, there's, it's that kind of called the interference pattern or like a moray you get on TV. That's part of what we're seeing. So you can have these natural structures. But what happens is in this one, I mean, you look at that pyramid and even you're, you're saying, even with that, knowing that, you want to go down and see what that is. So 8,000 meter yeah. well, wide like underwater pyramid. And down here, they were talking about, uh, you will find this in the mainstream media because NOAA and other underwater mapping agencies have been mapping this area near the Mid-Atlantic Ridge since the beginning of the technology. They surely must have known about this pyramid for some time. But then again, remember, we've had some of these discoveries, the archaeologists, it's like 30 years ago, and now it's leaking out because they've got what they want out of it first to make their money, and now they can go ahead and tell you they found something, but you can't touch it. That's what's left, I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's and always that, a possibility. Well, and if, well, heck, if I found something really unique, I'll tell you until I've exploited it internally, either psychologically satisfied or I'm going to get my samples and my whatever before I reveal it to somebody. You you mean your, obviously your, if your, your big value, uh, gold stash that, country, you've, that you've already cashed in and bought your island with? You're, you're not supposed to talk about that oh, part yet. Yeah, sorry. Just because you guys are coming out to stay with me for a couple of months. But anyway, <laughs> my, my, my point is, we're a country or a state or whatever in the vicinity. They're going to look at that and say, hot damn dog, free money. And what was yours ain't no more yeah. in well, that domain. Well, it's, a, it's about the glory of the find and the fact that you can get a grant for it. So Absolutely. Yeah. You got $1,000 and you're good. Yeah. Uh, well, and I happen. can understand that. And then the, the, the alternative is that it's absolutely nothing and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. 
I know I found something really outstanding. I'd share it with the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, we still need to go down and take photos of your clay ridges. <laughs> that I, I hope we have some better visibility for that. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say since we have not been getting in the water in the winter, we're going to make up for it in the spring. Uh, I hope so. And, Jeez, I, this is the first time in years that I've not dove every freaking month. Uh, I, I've my last dive. It was December. November. Oh, my goodness. Here we are, March. It's almost six months. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, you're going to come over and pick up that dry suit <laughs> in my it's, house. It's tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. Friday. I'll be able to head my way. But, you know, if we don't find gold underwater, maybe we can find uh, rum. This next article we have is uh, Monday, 530. A Cayman rum is aged underwater, seven fathoms. And I want to say that Rich Sinewick from Divers, Inc. turned me on to this a little over a year ago talking about this. It's uh, I, I'm concerned about how you mean he turned you on. I mean, do you want to talk about that later? <laughs> he, 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 no, he, he pointed me at this and said, this is cool, and I have to agree with him. Okay. And, and, and for those who don't know what it is, it's a rum uh, that is from the Caribbean. And what they do is they age it at seven fathoms or 42 feet off the coast of the Grand Cayman. They said it makes uh, may uh, seem a little wacky at first, but it makes sense in theory. The traditional product uh, rum is distilled and then placed in a barrel to age. The barrel is typically rotated through the process to ensure it ages evenly and to help round out disparities caused by fluctuation in temperatures and inconsistency in barrel quality. The concept is that underwater aging takes out the need for the rotation, allow the currents of the sea and the tides to massage the rum within the barrel. I guess it's turning on the rum. Wineries have been doing this for some time with success, according to uh, an author and rum consultant, Louis Alaya. The effects have also been found in the booze that is shipped longer distances and barrels due to the constant movement is experienced during the ride, although it's unlikely you'll be able to tell the difference between sea-aged rum and one that has undergone careful attention from a distiller on dry land. The technique does have some charm to it. It tastes good without question, very flavorful, yet smooth and easy going for a dark rum. So the price tag isn't unreasonable at $60 for a 750 milliliter bottle. And here I'm looking at my 750 milliliter bottle of Captain Morgan. I'm holding my hand and I did not pay $60 for that. I think I paid maybe 14 Okay. In, in American sounds, 750 milliliter is how big? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, It's normally, I mean, even in the... I don't know. What do they call that? A fifth? A fifth. That's pretty expensive. Fifth, isn't it? No, nah, it's a little more than a fifth, I guess. It's maybe a quart? Quart. Yeah, I don't know. I have to. I, You know, I've been buying alcohol and 750 milliliters for a long time. I think that's just how it goes for the hard stuff. That's the normal. Like, you can get I, 750 milliliters of vodka. That's about a liter, which is about a quart. A, a little less than a liter, which is a little less than a quart. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. About a quart. Yeah. Um, that seemed expensive. Uh, I mean, this is normal, but vo- like vodka and 750 milliliters is going to run you maybe for the cheap stuff, six, seven dollars. For the fancy stuff, you're going to be in the 14 to 18 dollars. Uh, you know, whiskey is going to run 12 to 18 dollars in 750 milliliters. Okay. Now, let me get something straight here. So, what they're doing here, they're just saying is one, it's really waterproof, and all they're doing is letting the sea undulate and massage the bottles in such a fashion that it gets that flavor yeah. and it's 
disbursement and whatever's in it throughout the the keg. Yep. The, uh, the drum. Okay. I was thinking also it didn't have anything to do with the pressure, right? Well, see, that's what I was wondering because what they're talking about is the motion and the temperature. Yeah. Which down there it's going to be warmer because if we if we throw the okay let's say forty two feet forty two feet in Lake Michigan is going to be between thirty six degrees until we have the lake flip which we've talked about before then you may get sixty degrees for maybe a week or two at a time see I, I want to do this up here well I was wondering though what if you put it in a plastic bag put it in the container on the surface. Put some little gimbal little mechanism, so it'll give you that little rotating, however you want to get the manipulation. And then if you pressurize the container, even though it's non-compressible liquid, would it be an aged under pressure make any difference to its aging quality? No, aging won't. The distilled liquors, your alcohol comes from the distillation process, which is if you think of a still. Now you've got your, you start with the original mash, you let that ferment, you put sugar in it, You've got some sort of culture which is creating alcohol, but it's still at a lower alcohol volume. You then go through a distillation process, you chill it, and then you get up to your proofing levels, which could be anywhere from 60 proof to 160 proof, depending on how you you're, what you're starting with and what you're distilling. Uh, what your aging is doing is you're trying to impart flavor from the vessel you're putting it in. So you're either letting... Uh, some stuff separate out and get absorbed into the wood, or you're trying to take flavor from the wood. So if you're using a charred barrel, uh, some of the distillers around here will use old wine barrels. Uh, in fact, I I know of a distiller in the area that I've done some projects with who who does that. Uh, in fact, I've I've approached them on this process. So I'm hoping this year to maybe talk them into doing some of this, or I've even thought about funding my own run of. Uh, of distillation and then aging it myself out there. You know, that, if you did that as a bootlegger, that would be more interesting, you know, and it would have more ambiance to it that when you're drinking bootleg something, you know. Yeah. Don't well, tell anybody when you do this, you know. You, you just give yourself some options. Yeah. Save well, yourself some money, too, in the selling part. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't say I'm, I don't mind paying taxes, but you know what, I, you know, it's... I, I I think this is something to to try out. And in, in, in my theory, so everybody's going to take this idea. So you heard it here. It was my idea first. <laughs> but what I wanted to do was take and have different liquors aged on different wrecks. So maybe we have Max Rec Rum. Uh, we have uh, the Havana Gin. Uh, you know, we could do uh, Ironsides uh, whiskey. And well, then see, my that thought, sounds very very manly there. I like that one there. Yeah. Iron sides. Yeah. Yeah, you got the iron sides. And then what you do is you have, I thought about having a local uh, bottle. You know, you got the, the, the was it the Water Street uh, Glass Company? Yeah. Uh, have oh, them make custom bottles. We yeah. could re reinvent the Hutchies again. Yeah. With the lightning oh, stoppers. Yeah. See, how about that? How about, you know, you could, have, you could have a Hutchie, then you could have the bottle would have all sorts of embossings on it and then you can have the history of the individual so you you know and uh this local distillery that i've been working with you know they do vodkas and they do rums and they do gin they have their own gin uh, still because i guess you have to have a separate still for gin because it will you can't ever clean it out <laughs> so yeah I, I, i'm i'm I, I think i may do that that might be one of my projects for this year 
Interesting. And even if it is legal, see, that's what I've been trying to work on the details of is uh, because you have to pay tax on it. And usually what you do is you have to have a building that is bonded, which is certified that the contents, because the minute it becomes marketable, the feds want their money. Well, now, wait a minute. My understanding is you can make so much for personal consumption. Not of distilled liquor. You can for wine. And you beer, can do huh? mead, you can do grog, but you can't do whiskey, rum, vodka, anything that's distilled. You can't even make an ounce without being a felony, without a permit. And I looked in the huh. permitting process, and it is insane the amount of paperwork you have to do for that permitting process. Because I was convinced I was going to do it, and then when I discovered there was a distillery, well, I got a distillery two miles from my house. Round Barn does it. Yeah. And, then, and then we got one in Three Oaks who's doing distilling. And there's been a few more since. Uh, you know what? I can easily go over there and slip them some money and just, I can even, I can even talk to them. They're willing to do my own recipe. So I can come right. up with my own recipe. So we could, we could come up with stuff. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what's your liquor of choice? I don't really drink. <laughs> <laughs> I I have been known to partake on an occasion, but yeah. definitely nothing to excess and whatever whatever somebody has, it's free. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, Mogan David, hey, what do you call it? So I, I, I think maybe we're coming up with a theme for the Mac liquor would have to be something something almost free. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I think Jim Jim has something in a bottle that we put in our our drinks up up north. Yeah, uh, yeah he's not much of a drinker stuff. either. And I and I'm I mean I have uh, I like like tonight you probably can hear me in the background with my my Captain Morgan, but I don't I rarely drink during the week. And not that I wouldn't, but I'm avoiding the calories. I'm on my my weight loss kick again to lose. I want to lose the weight I lost last year <laughs> again, and then. Keep that off and lose another twenty or thirty pounds. So, well, you did a good job last year. I did. I did okay. I lost thirty last year. I gained all but probably about eight pounds of that back. That means you didn't go back where you started, though. So that's no. Good. I didn't get all the way back where I started, and I've I've lost about another eight or nine pounds since. So I'm within ten pounds of getting back to my last year's weight, and I've really these last few weeks been hard on that. So yeah, I'm going to continue. It's going to be a little bit easier getting outside. This winter has been rough. But uh, you know, doing a little bit, you know, controlling the the intake of of calories and exercising more and eating less. That seems to be the trick. I I'd like to say there's a magic formula, which I do have my my secret weapons. If anybody wants to know, drop me a line and we can do something along those lines. But yeah, it's uh, it kind of gets depressing when you think about the the dry suit. You know, I almost have to go with uh one of those whites fusions because that's the only thing that can accommodate my seasonal expansion and contraction. <laughs> I think a regular dry suit, I'd, I vary too much. Well, they did have a couple of uh, prime items there at Wolf's. Yeah, that's another thing I got to pass over there. I don't think, I, I'm pre- and in fact, I say I don't think, I'm pretty sure I won't make it to Wolf's tomorrow. I'll pretend I'm going to, but I probably won't. Oh, well, you got thing. the open house next weekend, so you can get it for sure then. Yeah, yeah, I'll head there. Well, I got to get there before then because that's when all the riffraff comes and paws over it. So, if I well, yeah, to... I mean they do have sales in that might just get sold from under you there. Yep, I could just conveniently borrow it for the week. Uh, yeah. Actually, all the suits have already been removed and put in a trailer and locked up because they always use the space behind the uh, dive shop. You know where the suits are. 
that's where they put the food and stuff. Oh, no, I never. I, I guess I've never been there when they've actually done oh, it. Yep, that's all cleared out already. You want to know something that's sad? The first year Jim and I dove on Lake Michigan would be this coming up weekend. <laughs> it's it's been an unusual year. Actually, they were talking about today. The Great Lakes are now frozen over more than they have been, and I, I'm trying to remember how long it's been. That was another one of those milestone times. Mm-hmm. Well, I know they had one like in the nine that that was there's two like 2004, and there was like 97, and then there was like back in 78. I mean, there's all these, and it didn't look like we were going to beat that, but have we now? I heard something that we had. It, it was quite interesting. Yeah, because you go to Noah's website, the conspiracy that that place said. But uh, let's see, I could type in ice cover on Great Lakes, and it should. Yep, they have one from just a day ago. Oh, Buffalo News is saying this could lead to flooding. Oh, oh there's yeah, that, a, that, a that's a like an understatement a, of the a year. Gal who's a jumper with us, and she had a picture of a, a little stream by her house that's normally like four foot across. It's like uh-huh. half a mile, and it hadn't even started flooding yet. Yeah. Okay, this one is according to the Weather Channel. It says, Great oh, Lakes ice nice? cover greatest in 35 years, nearing an all-time record. So you're right. They, it's actually has hit that point. They said, thanks to a record-shattering late February, early March Arctic blast, during one of the coldest winters in decades, ice cover in the Great Lakes is now widespread in 35 years, nearing an all-time record. Uh, NOAA has recorded ice cover of 91.8% of the Great Lakes on March 5th. And records dating to 73, only February 1979 had 94.7% peak, had greater ice coverage. So then that was 78.79. So we've hit that that year, and they said an abrupt turn the past four winters when they said the ice was 40% or less. Mm-hmm. Only a small area of southern Lake Michigan, which would be us, and much of western and central Lake Ontario have been ice-free stretches. Now, when they hey, say hey. ice-free, it that's out. Because if you look from shore, look, that's all I can see is ice. Right. Like I got to fly uh, two weeks ago, and everything that looked on the bluffs like open water was blue freaking ice. Now, is that just like really clear ice? Yes. Wow. I mean, it was blue, and you could see the striations of the uh, snow across those open spaces. Not open, but those cleared spaces. It was it was quite interesting. Uh, if the weather is good tomorrow, I hope to get out and do a little sightseeing yeah. and uh, see what it looks like. Wow. They said 90, 95% of Lake Superior, just under 96% of Lake Huron, 95% of Lake Erie, and 92% of Lake Michigan is ice-covered. Lake Ontario would sketch less ice coverage because it's three times the volume of water compared to Lake Erie is about seventy is about forty seven percent. Ice coverage has set an early March record, topping March ice cover the previous two standard bearing years seventy nine and ninety four. In March fifth of seventy nine it was seventy five point nine eight, and March four of nineteen ninety four it was eighty five point seven eight. Wow! Said high That's winds from. Go ahead. As, a, as a side note, you were talking about Lake Ontario. Actually, Lake Ontario has four times the volume of Lake Erie, and the major difference is the depth. Yeah. It's, uh, Lake Erie averages 200 feet, and uh, Ontario is 800. Yeah. As a side note. Yeah. But Sorry it did, that. you know, I have to say, it, this has been has to have been the closest to 78, you know, that 78, 79 winter that I remember. Yeah. Uh, 
and it was similar. But I think that one was a little bit tougher winner. But this one emotionally has just been rough on me. It just it's I've you know as an adult, you know, not a kid playing around to have to deal with winter. I mean, I've had hydrants frozen. My wife's hauling water out to the barn. It's a pain to get anywhere. Uh, yeah, we're re- we're ready for spring. I did look at my book, and not last year, the year before, I had six dives in February. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, we didn't we didn't have ice last year. Uh, you know, and we we talk about seventy seven, that uh, seventy eight, seventy nine year. I can remember when sp- when it was March, taking snow and piling it on the uh, upturned canoe. So that it would melt, so spring would come faster. <laughs> well, we will have snow when we have spring. Oh, and time gone. change is what this coming week. The time change is this Saturday. Yeah. So the days. I just think we need when once we do the time change, can we convince everybody to not go back? I don't know Whenever, why we go back the other way. When I see Daytona, it's supposed to be spring right there. Come on. Yeah, I watch Daytona. I always associate, especially in the Carolinas, though. I mean, when you got Daytona, it's already summer. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but even they have had their share and more than their share. Well, of, we had, well, Texas oh. had freezing weather within the last week, didn't they? Well, Texas is so big, you can have freaking snowstorm in one part, down in the panhandle, I suppose. Yeah. I guess this is Austin, where they had one day where it was 74 degrees in the morning and it was like 32 in the afternoon. I can remember many times going out to catch the bus to go to school and cracking ice in the morning and have my coat over my shoulder when we got out of school. Yep. Yeah, we had the same thing up here in Michigan. And I had to walk uphill both ways, damn it. <laughs> uh, as their tradition <laughs> requires. <laughs> well, and then one last article, which we're not going to go and read, but we recommend that you take a look at. This one was written by our guest a few weeks ago, Steve Lewis. And he's talking about an article called Listeners, Watchers, and Doers. And it was published in X-Ray Magazine. And it's interesting because he's talking about uh, people rec- you know, asking him a question that says, uh, what is, you know, which is more important, the instructor or the agency? And he turns a question back on people and he says, well, what type of uh, learner are you? Are you a listener, a watcher, or a doer? Then we could have a uh, an an episode just on nothing but talking about these different approaches. Right. As any instructor you have, though, you're going to get taught that. that that's why generally we tell you what we're going to do. We then show you what we're going to do, and then we have you show us in return what we just did. Yeah. And uh, like at Cook Plant, everything there is based on what type of job do you do. So you're actually practicing what you do to the degree they want you to learn to do it hands-on. So when you go into the plant, you do the same, you calibrate the instruments the same exact way. Yeah. You've done this already. Yeah. And and, and honestly, the, the, it's not that you're one or the other. You're usually a blend of them, but one of those three is going to be the one that's the most effective for you. Yeah. But if you teach to all three groups and you reinforce them all three, you tend to get a high percentage of your students are going to get what you're trying to teach them. Right. If you can practice it, though, it's it's so much. It enhances the learning experience tremendously. Yeah. Hands on to me is I don't can teach without hands on. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the the true result because that's what we're going for. I mean, you can talk yeah. about the theory and everything, but if you can't apply it and, and make it actually happen, then you really didn't get the concept. So, but it's a good article. Uh, kind of makes you think about. It's good to think about what helps you learn 
uh, and then you can understand what your weaknesses are, and also it lets you know what your preferences are, so what type of instructors you like. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a few articles, uh, not articles, but photos. We have uh, the the amazing underwater photos. These are, let's see, do I have the name of the article? I don't think I do, but what they are is they're photos where they're half underwater and half above water, and they're really artistic pieces. They're called underwater. Have you ever heard of over underwater photography? Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, and is that really what it's that, what it is? <laughs> well, some of them are great. Yeah, and it's just an unusual perspective of looking at certain items, and it doesn't hurt that they're young ladies. Oh, yeah. most of them. Well, yeah, that that's that just makes it a little bit easier to to tolerate. Well, the contrast is always interesting. Yeah. And once I get to the show notes, which I am way behind again, I don't know how that happened. It seemed like I was caught up. You'll be able to take a look at these photos, or you could have been in the chat room, which you weren't, or you may have been. And if you were, you got the show notes. <laughs> uh, also, they have, uh, let's see, there's another one, and I'm taking these out of order. They have the the scuba night dive. That's a cool one. Yes. That first shot is is awesome. Victor. Yeah, he did a great job on that. So that's that's worth taking a look and that's if you just imagine a diver in the water in the dark and the you can see him underwater and then you can see all the stars in the sky and that that's a poster right there. That's you know, I'd I want, love to have been there to take a look at the night sky because we just don't have that out here. There's just too much ambient light. You need to come to out where I'm at. I guess we need to have a scuba diver bonfire out at my place because we, I get that, but there is some contamination out in the horizon. Yeah. So, like, I can look north and see St. Joe, you dirty St. Joe people, polluting <laughs> the sky with the sun, with uh, your uh, Meyer and Walmart lights. And I can look down at Niles, and they're being polluted by the Walmart and the you know, farm and fleet, I guess, is whatever retailers they have down there. But being out in the country, we get to see those stars and when you get those, and and not every night's the same. You get some nights where it is just perfectly clear. Well, I've been in New Mexico and that's the closest to this I've seen. Yeah. I mean, bloggers out there. But again, I'm always looking, where's the freaking UFOs at? Come on, aliens. Well, what, what my wife gets mad I can well, I can set the bonfire. I'll look up, and as soon as I look up, they're shooting stars. Shooting star, yes. And I'll go tell her. She'll look up, and she can look up for the next hour and a half and not single see a uh, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I've seen a hundred shooting stars to her one. But yeah, this is a this is a great photo, and I'm hoping. I mean, because you could do this in Photoshop, but Photoshop you don't know what to trust anymore. But yeah, uh, I'm hoping that this was done at least at the same time on the same film or the same shot, but who knows? Still a nice shot. Uh, let's see. And then there's, now this one was uh, diving into New Zealand's deepest cave, not exactly underwater, even though there was some water in it. This is a Red Bull article. So if you go to redbull.com, they have some articles and you look for New Zealand's deepest cave. And this is some spelunking. Is this spelunking? Is that what they want to be called? There's yes. like two groups. and It used to do that in my youth. Yeah, they had the spelunkers and the cavers, and they can't stand each other. And I don't know which one I'm insulting. So, but look at that water where they're they're peering into the water and how clear it is. I like that one aspect that you know how they found this cave. No, the mouth of the mystery, the entry to the stormy pot cave system, was discovered when they took shelter from a storm in New Zealand. And I'm looking at the pictorial. I can see how you rig your lines. 
you're dropped down in the hole to get, wet, get out of the wind and the weather, and then you walk into this cavern like this. It was, yeah, that's got to be awesome. I got to get to New Zealand. That that place, that that's got to be an awesome place to go. Yeah. I think I, I I would love doing some caves. Again, as long as I don't have to squeeze into it. Oh, yeah, now I'm looking at that one photo where they show that crack. Yeah, Be- uh, because- I'm, I'm not a fond of that as I got older. When I was younger and more agile, it didn't bother me. But uh, actually, we were thinking about going down, down to the cave system down there in southern Illinois in the spring. If you might be interested, I, yeah. I'll let you know where we're going. Uh, I may take a couple of people. Um, it's a section of three caves. And basically, when you finish, uh, you get a little certificate saying you've done. It's an intro to cave diving, or caving, uh-huh. uh, not not dive diving. And it's basically a dry cave, and then you wind up. The last part's going to be a wet cave, uh-huh. uh, so you definitely want to take clothing and stuff with you. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you a real good introduction of the different types, mm-hmm. and if you were claustrophobic or not. <laughs> And you can actually spend the night down there. They have, uh, like, you have to take your own bedding and stuff. And what you take in, you take out if you get my drift. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we were thinking about going down there and just doing a one-dayer. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I'd be I'd be up for that. If I can get, I may take one of my nephews or both of them. And if you took your boy. Yeah, I, I probably would. They uh, The Boy Scouts did one. I don't know if it's that same cave system or another, which sounded like it, where they were able to camp in the mm-hmm. cave overnight. And they did it just... It happened right before he got in the Boy Scout, so he wasn't eligible uh, to go. But they had, they said there were spot there's there were spots where you had to like walk through the water. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. The water was. He, he said every spot that you got wet, there was also a way where you didn't get as wet, but they didn't tell yeah. you about that way. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fun to do that kind of stuff. The reason I was looking at it, I was trying to find a place we could do a cave dive, meaning in the water. Mm-hmm. And I found the one I wanted, and then I called them up, and they're saying. But you can't see anything. I said, I know we have light, but it, it's underwater. You can't see anything. I said, yeah, but we have our light. But what do you want to do that for? And it's like, you're already in the cave. Come on. All you can do is get wet and go, you know. And they were having a hard time understanding why you'd want to go under the water part in their cave. And, really? Yeah. And their How liability. deep was it? You mean the water? Yeah. I, I don't know. They said they don't really know. Right? Well, can, we can do it and tell you. Yeah. But they they would let us do the the caving, but you can't take your diving gear with you. Darn it! Well, the thing with that one would be, uh, we'd have to talk to them. We'd have to convince them. They have a they have a whole opportunity there because there's uh there's a Another lot of market. serious heavy oh, yeah. heavy Another duty market. cavers in the area, cave divers. And even if they weren't, and you're going to do some, just to say you've done it, even yeah. in a controlled structured environment, it still would be a trip. It'd be something. It's like Bonterre diving the mine there. Well, it's how about all the stuff major, that they've probably dropped in the water that they wish they had? We can go down and pick it up for them. Mm. Bottles. Like it, but these are nice pictures. Yeah. So that was that was a great photo. I don't see anybody in the pictures that was old as us or as big as us, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand. Oh, but we'd be rejuvenate, rejuvenated going down there. Yeah. So we, we'd look just like them in the photos. Yeah, I was looking at the, uh, let's see, the, the second picture. Take a look at the second picture and tell me you're going to enjoy that part. Oh, is that the one where they're uh, rappelling down into the cave? Yes, they're, they're doing the slide line, yes. You know, I think I would like that. I have oh, to talk, say... Talk about that real quick. You see the carabiners you got? Uh, did you need any carabiners because we're buying some, and I want to buy some that other people might want? Cost you about 12 bucks. Uh, were with us when we were talking about changing our gear to make sure we had rescue tools already on our BCs. 
The carabiner is one of the items I'm adding to mine as a required item all oh, times. You mean a legitimate carabiner, not yeah, the... Yeah, not, not, not the aluminum little crappy things for holding your Not keys. the ones that say do not these use are, as carabiner? Yeah, these are, these are for climbing <laughs> ones. They're rated at 2,000 plus. Yeah, I, I do need That's to get some of those. Carabiner. Well, we were going to buy some. I'm just going to determine how many we're going to buy. So mm-hmm. I figured you'd want it. I know Jim will. Larry and I were going to buy a couple each. Ken will. Uh, we'll get extras, and then you can, yep. you can get one from us. But yeah, we, well, we prepared to do that stuff. Yeah, well, I I would do a, I would do a zip line. Now I did uh, a few years ago, out on the the lake. Did some. Uh, we had some of the ropes that would hang, and you do the Tarzan swing down. Uh huh. And I and I'm a little bit. I have more mass than I have when I did that earlier. <laughs> and I thought I was going to pull my arms out of my sockets <laughs> as I got down to the bottom because you you start up at the top and you're almost like free falling on the rope and you're like yeah this is great oh, yeah. you get that g-force on and you. then yeah and then that moment where your hands start to slide down the rope as you do this massive rope burn and you realize that you really need to hold on to the rope or you're going to have your chin hit the stump <laughs> before you enter the water yeah i uh, discovered i'm just not as good at that as anymore as i used to be well, that's like I was trying to do a pull-up the other day, and it's like, oh, forget that again. Oh. I can't believe I'm in such lousy shape. Yeah, I did I did some push-ups this morning, and I was like, wait, I used to do how many? I'll get, yeah. I'll get back to it before spring. But, yeah, this morning I, I just I did just a handful of them, and I'm like, that's that's okay. That's enough for today. That's how you do it. You do a little, yeah, little and you make that, it big eventually. Yeah, do it more than what you did yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the problem is I always get over-enthusiastic. <laughs> And then you rue the day you were that stupid. And yeah. yes, again, that's like, I'm so much older, I should know that much better. Well, that's how I am when I, when I start running. Because I usually, about this time of year, or normally before now, when you first start seeing the grass show, I'm like, I'm going to start running. And that first two grass? or three days. What's that? Where'd you see grass at? Well, last year, not this year. <laughs> okay. But you, when you start seeing that grass, it's like, yeah, i got to start doing some running. And they always warn you in all the books. You know, to, to start off really low and do that low for a while because what happens is you is you is you push it because you remember what you used to be able to do and you're just like oh it's just mind over matter and then you're like a cripple for a week yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. but that does it for scuba in the news and everything else and we ran all over the place no no diving we did originally have an ice dive scheduled for this weekend but I don't think we have enough people. Now I got too many sickies. I'm still bronchitis, and I think Bob had it back, but I think he's got a cold and stuff now, and it's so yeah. it's not gonna I've, happen. My my left ear, even though I would be tempted to go in the water, it's just been driving me nuts. And the worst thing is, it's not from diving. How's my how's my ear get all crapped up? I don't know if a cold went into my ear or what happened, but that's been bothering me. Wow. I almost want to say that I think diving would fix it, you know, because then you can get some pressure behind the ear and then blow it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boom, yeah, blow out the ear. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, blow it out. That's not a good thing. So, yeah, it looks like we're going to miss this weekend. Oh, let's see. Then we we talked about the show. Lisa was on earlier and she had to go, it's, but she mentioned that the. Uh, are you are you got something going on? I'm I'm hearing something going on. No. All right. I'm trying to figure if it's mine then. Must be you. What's it sound like? It's a commercial, and I I don't seem to have anything open. I don't know if I got any web pages. I don't I don't I don't have a browser going. I have no idea where that's coming from. It's not it's not playing of mine. Is it a good commercial? Not worth a damn. Oh, I just okay. turned everything <laughs> off. I got nothing on except Skype. 
and it did go away, but it's like I couldn't figure out where it's coming from. <laughs> yeah, that uh, not me that I'm aware of. Okay. All right. Sorry about disturbing that. Yeah, but no problem. It's that time, isn't it? It is getting to be that time. So you can follow us on Facebook. And if you've been following me on Facebook, I'm going to apologize. The The, the Facebook website, which is facebook.com forward slash goobobsessed, I'll keep posting on. But I'm just not spending the time on Facebook that I used to because I can't stand it anymore. And I'm sounding like all those old people who complained every time they tweak stuff. I used to laugh because Facebook <laughs> would change a button. And I would go, they just changed a button. What's the big deal? But the, the problem I have now is my news feed has nothing that I want to see on it. You know, I want to see what my friends are posting. I want to see what you guys are posting. I want to see what the groups I'm following are posting. That's not what I see. They started this last week inserting news. I'm getting news from news outlets that I won't watch on a bet. And it's now being inserted into my news stream. And I go to the right side and I say, I don't want it. And they, they ask you, why don't you want to see this? And I can say, well, I think it's crap. <laughs> and they go, oh, well, you didn't like Fox News. Let me show you the Huffington Report. I don't want them either. So it's, it's getting to be, I can't get rid of the crap on Facebook. And I can't, and the people I want to follow, I can't see their stuff. So in my mind, Facebook's jumped the shark and their days are... They'll eventually change course because they, they're too big to fail. I've seems, heard that. Which seems that we're, we're good at letting companies get that big. So they'll pull out the last minute, but they've gone way too far in what they're going to do. And you know what? They're not going to make money off me. So I'm going to go on there, see what your birthdays are, and then be off because I'm not listening to their, their ads. And even if you have their mobile app now, it starts to play video. So if you're paying for bandwidth like everybody is, they're going to start consuming your bandwidth because they want the show, they want the videos to autoplay. So, and I just wish that I liked Google better. I mean, part of the problem with Google is that none of my friends are on it. So I go and I feed Google with news reports and stuff, but I don't see anything. I have we have tw- I, we have twice as many followers, three times as many followers on Google as we do on Facebook. But it just doesn't seem that there's any interaction going on over there. Uh, Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at Scoobobsessed. That's probably our most reliable way of. Uh, getting to us other than our website, which is www.scubobsessed.com. Also, we have the mudclub.scubobsessed.com. A lot of stuff going on over there. I noticed there's a few posts have gone up. And I will get the show notes on the Scuba Obsessed website. Also, we have the South Mesh, Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve website will be updated soon. Jim teased that, and next time he's on, he can give everybody an update. So that's hopefully will be pretty soon we'll see that site back up and live. Got anything you want to plug, Mac? Uh, no, not really. I'm just hoping it's a nice uh, weekend for us. Uh, we have safety day if you're a jumper and if we're near the Plymouth area. That'll be it, Saturday at 5 p.m. It's safety day already? Yep, yep. Because safety day my... seems like that's like a sign of spring as well. It normally is. Uh, jumping will be available if the weather is cooperating. It's supposed to be pretty decent. So if you're Got your reserve in in spec. Come on out and do a jump. Now I saw was that you who posted the one with the scuba divers uh, diving from planes? Uh, no, that was not me. I saw that one. It's like been there and done that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody said that we should schedule those. Yeah, that, that's on my bucket list. That's one I want to do. You don't mean scuba diving out of the aircraft? Blah blah blah. You're not doing a, a jump. No, I want to do a jump, but I also want to, you know, dive with gear. You know, 
that's going to be a little harder in, until you get some experience. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a first jump as you, you jump with the scuba tank on, but yeah, you're thinking about doing a tandem or a, a static line. Now, not this way, you, but it's like tandems, like kissing your sister. Static line is mental, mental. Well, see, I'm going to say that the tandem is kind of like the uh, the resort scuba diving. You get to say you scuba dove, but you really didn't. <laughs> it's a, Well, you really did. It's an e-ticket ride, but you didn't work at it. Yeah. 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 You had somebody held your hand the whole way and said, yeah. here you go. Everything's going to be fine. And static line, you do it the first time and you do it yourself. Yeah. Airborne. Yeah. I, I, I'll do, I think I'm going to want to do the static line, but I don't want to do what that teenager did. Did you see that article? Uh, you mean the girl? Yeah. The girl who... Uh, the chute didn't completely open. Yeah, it's called get rid of it and open the reserve. Yeah. When that, in doubt, toss it out. And that's what it sounded like happened is that she goofed up going to the reserves chute. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else. I throw it out the reserve anyway. Yeah. The more junk you got above you, the slower you hit. Yeah, you can slow down. Oh, she survived, yeah. so that's what counts. Yes, she did. Okay, well, this, this one is, and, and the person who sent this in to me is not on tonight, so we can blame them later on. And it says, a female scuba diver was interested in getting a boob job. So she went to the doctor, Dr. Smith, and questioned about him about implants. He explained that before you do anything too seriously, there's a method he's worked on for a lot of my patients. Every morning when you wake up with your boobs, you say, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, give me bigger boobies. She did this faithfully for a week and noticed one day that she's actually getting bigger. She was very impressed. One morning, she woke up late for work and rushed. By the time she got to the bus stop, she realized she forgot to do her routine, so she's standing on the bus while rubbing her boobs, saying, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, give me bigger boobies. The man standing next to her said, You go to Dr. Smith? Yes, she said. How do you know? He replied, Hickory Dickory Doc. Okay. Hey, but if it works, you don't argue if it's success. Hey, you, you know that's a result-based system we were talking about earlier. If you, you know, yes, if sir. You, if you get the everything working, you're all set. Absolutely. So, until next week, go out there and get wet and stay safe. Recording has been completed.